With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain co-editor Dave Schofield coming at you once again on a Thursday morning with your Steeler Stat Geek podcast. Well, it's over. The 2020 NFL season is in the books. And right off the bat, there's a number to celebrate. 269. The NFL played all 269 games of the 2020 NFL season. Some of them got pushed back. Some bye weeks got moved around. Some other things happened, but every game was played. The Super Bowl happened on time. Nothing got pushed back with the postseason. And a lot of people said it couldn't be done. Many people said they weren't getting invested into this season at all because they did, they thought it was going to let them down and it would only um, make it partway through before they were shut down. And uh, fortunately, all those people were wrong that thought that way because it got done. I didn't know if it would happen or not. I was hopeful that it would, but it's not like I definitely believe that it, that it would happen, but it did. And there we go. It's done. Now the focus is on 2021, moving on to the 2021 season. So what we're going to do here with Stat Geek this week, um, I have a question that I'm going to be asking. It was an extremely simple question that I'm going to give a very complicated answer for. And it has to do with um, 
the um, increase in statistics. And um, I was basically asked who I thought would have the most increased statistics for 2021. Um, and who I'm going to highlight in, in this case is I'm going to highlight rookie Chase Claypool. We're going to look at his statistics that he had this past year, what he could possibly do next year, what's realistic, what's not. Um, try to use past history with Steelers receivers in order to calculate it, much like I did his season for 2020. What to expect from his rookie season. That are some numbers that I came down with or came down with, came up with, um, getting my directions already off. Um, so we'll look at that. I'm also going to look at, um, um, kind of address a, a statement that I saw on Wednesday that, uh, kind of got me thinking. Um, and so I'm going to talk about, um, some quarterback stuff from the 2020 season. And if we have some time, I have another stat I might throw out there to you, but we'll, let's get, let's dive into this. We'll see, uh, what all we got. Cause I, I'm ready to look at this with, with, with Chase Claypool. This came, this question actually came from Twitter, but believe it or not, the question came from our own BTSC's own deputy editor, Michael Beck. He asked the question of me. He says, who's most likely to see a significant stat increase next season? Now, if you don't follow him, you need to go look at on Twitter at Michael Beck 56. You know, he's the deputy editor of Behind the Steel Curtain. He's your live mic um, host that you get on Tuesdays. Make sure you're following him. Um, he's a good follow out there. And, of course, make sure you're you're following um, uh, BT Steel Curtain, which is Behind the Steel Curtain's Twitter page, who Michael, actually, he is in charge of that for us and does an excellent job. So I'm going to answer his question. The simple answer to me is Chase Claypool. And you're like, okay, well, didn't Claypool have a really good year this past year? Yes, he did. But like most Steelers rookie receivers, and notice I say most because we're going to dive into this, look for an increase in year two. What I did last year, last, well, I, it was in 2020. It was before the 2020 season. It was after the 2020 NFL draft, obviously, since that's when Chase Claypool was selected with the 49th overall pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um. I did a little exercise. I did this uh, with my brother. I don't remember if we were calling it the Scobro show yet. I'm pretty sure we weren't. I'm still almost a hundred percent positive that that was our Tuesday night Steeler stat geek podcast, which now is our audio only Thursday uh, podcast. But in essence, that's what the Scobo Scobro show evolved from. But we were asked the question of what do you think Claypool's going to do for 2020? And what I did is I went back and I looked at five receivers drafted by the Steelers in the top rounds, looked at what they did their rookie seasons, averaged some things out to come up with a number of receptions, yards, and touchdowns for Chase Claypool for his rookie season. Then I said, hey, if he does these numbers, he had a good year. And this was also with the understanding that there was no training, you know, rookie mini camp. There was no real training camp. There was no OTAs. There was very limited contact with everything. There was no preseason and the rookies were at a major disadvantage. Now, so let me remind you of these numbers that I gave you. And then we'll look at what Chase Claypool actually did. Here was what I thought would be a really good season for Chase Claypool. I came up with 38 receptions. 548 yards, 
and five touchdowns. I'll say that again. 38 receptions, 548 yards, five touchdowns. That was my projection that if he came up with this, he had a great season. This was based off of five Steelers rookies in the past where I averaged their receptions, their yards, and their touchdowns. Those five players were Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Martavis Bryant, and Emmanuel Sanders. So I went all the way back to 2010, the rookie year of Emmanuel Sanders. Now you're like, well, what about Antonio? He was a later draft pick. I went with t- more of the top draft picks. Um, I, I did not count Marcus Whedon or Sammy Coates basically because of how they were utilized um, in their rookie seasons. I was looking more for ones that were called upon. And I felt that they would call on Claypool. And boy, did they call on Claypool. And they could have even called on him more. And that's what we'll, we'll talk about here. So when looking at it, there were some players that drove down these numbers and some players that drove up these numbers. Like Martavis Bryant, he had eight touchdowns as a rookie. So he drove the touchdown numbers up. Where James Washington only had one touchdown as a rookie, which pulled it down. You know, Juju had seven Deontay Johnson had five. Manuel Sanders had two. That's how it all averaged out to five. Um, Juju had the most yards of 917 his rookie season. And Deontay Johnson had the most receptions of 59. But then you also had players like a James Washington with only 16. I wanted to throw in some players like a James Washington because I wanted to keep it realistic. Where like, if he puts up Juju numbers, that would be crazy. Well, he came really darn close. He really did. Let's look at Chase Claypool's numbers at, from for his rookie season. I, I included targets moving forward. I also included targets because I think that's going to be important to, to look at um, for how things are going to go in, into 2021. But uh, before we get to the targets, Chase Claypool, 62 receptions. That's more than any of those other five rookies as um, or those other five receivers in their rookie season. He had 873 receiving yards. That is just behind Juju Smith-Schuster's 917. So that was second out of all those. And he had nine receiving touchdowns, which beat them all. So that is what happened with, with Chase Claypool, his rookie year. And it exceeded expectations. I mean, it definitely exceeded my expectations. I know some people thought maybe he he would do all that, but I just thought, you know, if he got almost 550 yards and five touchdowns, that would be a great rookie year. Um, and, and he did even better than that. So what's interesting is he tied the Steelers rookie receiving record and rookie overall touchdown scored record. He tied uh, Lewis Lips from 1984 in both of those who Lips had nine receiving touchdowns and 11 overall because he had, um, what was, I think he had one punt and one rushing is, is how it broke down for, for Lips. Um, and then, and that also tied Franco Harris for the most touch, overall touchdowns with 11. So I could go back and look at Lewis Lips, who really had similar, similar numbers to Claypool his his rookie year. Well, in 1985, the next year of Lewis Lips, he saw a jump in in everything. Now, they didn't do targets back then, but he saw a jump in receptions and yardage, even in touchdowns. And we might come back and compare it back to, to some of those. But what I did was I took those other five because I wanted to go with the more with the more modern NFL 
Um, but we'll come back and look at lips at it um, once again. But I went with those five guys, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Martavis Bryant, and Emmanuel Sanders. I looked at their rookie year. I looked at their second year. And I looked at how much of a percent change did they see in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Now, just to go back, because I didn't say it, Chase Claypool had 109 targets as his rookie year. Okay, that's that's more than any of these other guys had. So it's going to be interesting to see how that would change. But what I did was I went through and say, okay, who had the biggest jump? Okay. Um, Juju had some, had a pretty decent jump in numbers. Like he, he went over a hundred, he had 110% more targets in his, in his, um, second season. He had 91% more receptions. He went from 58 to 111 and he had 55.5% more receiving yards because he went from 917 to 1426. That was a big jump, but he had the same number of touchdowns. All of these guys, with the exceptions of Juju's touchdowns did not increase. All three guys that are still on the Steelers saw significant increases in their statistics from rookie year to second year. The one that actually had the lowest numbers was Deontay Johnson. And it's not that he had bad numbers in the second year. It's that he had good numbers his rookie year. Um, that Because, um, yeah, like he had 92 targets, 59 receptions, 680 yards, five touchdowns. They all increased the next year, but not as much. Because who saw the most increase was James Washington because his numbers were so low his rookie year. You know, he had 38 targets, 16 receptions, 217 yards, and a touchdown. So when he went from 217 yards to 735 yards his next year, that was a 239% increase because of what he didn't do as much in his rookie season. But I kept that in there. I did his averages. I did Martavis Bryant's increases, who he increased in everything but touchdowns. He had a decrease in touchdowns. Then you had Emmanuel Sanders, who actually saw all of his statistics except touchdowns, decrease his second year. Now, he didn't play as many games. Um, I can't remember the circumstances or whatnot, but I know, I know he played, I'm pretty sure it was two less games is what, is what he ended up playing his, his, his rookie year. Um, then his rookie year, sorry. But um, his percentages went down, except for touchdowns, which stayed the same. So what I thought was, hmm, I'm going to keep those in there as well. And I did three things uh, from these five players. I looked at the... Average percent change. I looked at the best percent change and I looked at the worst percent change. And then I applied them all to Chase Claypool to see where these numbers fall and how realistic they would be. And it was actually quite interesting. So I could break down what these, all these averages were and stuff like that. Like for example, when you average the increase in touchdowns from everyone, it's funny because James Washington had an enormous increase in touchdowns, but because it was so few, I probably should have totaled the touchdowns and done the increase that way rather than just averaged everyone's increase. But uh, I had to pick a way to go with it and I was running out of paper and that's what I went with. Um, so, so there it was. But just to give you that what some of these numbers would be, if I took the average increase of all five of those players and applied them to Chase Claypool, his 2021 season would have 186 targets with 110 receptions, 1,477 yards, and 13 touchdowns. 
I'll say that again. It would have been 186 targets, which is crazy because the um, the most targets in the NFL this past season was Stefan Diggs with 166, which ironically was exactly how many Juju Smith-Schuster had his second year was 166 targets. So I think that's a little bit out there. But 110 receptions for 1477 and 13 touchdowns. Well, as crazy as that sounds, that's not all that far off from what Lewis Lips did his second year because he had – What's up the receptions? He had 59. He didn't have nearly as many, but he had over 1,100 yards and he had 12 touchdowns. So these aren't, these, this would be extremely ambitious, but not completely impossible. What would be impossible is if you took the best percentage of all these guys and applied it to Claypool, because that would have been absolutely insane. The, I just did this for fun because it's so unrealistic. Was that uh, imagine Chase Claypool being targeted 252 times with 171 receptions, 2,959 yards and 27 touchdowns. That would be insane. So that's out the window. But what I thought was interesting is what if I looked at the worst of these, where all of these decreased, and I give you these statistics, how would you still judge Chase Claypool in his second season? And those statistics would have would be 91 targets, 49 receptions, 669 yards, and seven touchdowns. That would not be awful. It wouldn't be an increase, obviously, because we did the worst ones where they were all decreased. But that still would not be a bad statistical year. It wouldn't be a great one, but it wouldn't be like he completely fell off the, the, the face of the earth. So that was interesting. What I did, just to kind of close this up and did this for fun, I went back and said, all right, I'm going to look at some of these guys' statistics, and I'm going to figure out what I'm going to project him to be this year. And what I did was I actually took Deontay Johnson's. Deontay Johnson's increase in targets, his increase in receptions, his increase in yards, applied them on a Chase Claypool, and then said, and he's going to do a juju and he's not going to score more touchdowns. He's going to score the same, which would be fantastic if he could once again score nine receiving touchdowns. So this, this is kind of what I'm looking at as kind of my ceiling for Chase Claypool for 2021. And we'll come back and look at it in a year and see how we did. But if he could get... Let's see. This said 171 targets. I don't know that he's going to get that. I don't. I, I don't know. I think he's going to be targeted a lot this year, um, because especially if there's no Juju Smith-Schuster, if he moves on a free agency, you're going to see more Chase Claypool. I think 150 would be a little bit more realistic. But I went with the numbers, and the number said 171. 92 receptions, 1,185 receiving yards, and nine touchdowns. So we'll go that with the receptions on 92 receptions for 1185 and nine touchdowns. I think that would be a fantastic sophomore season for Chase Claypool with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would love to see it. I don't know if that's exactly what it'll be, but based on the numbers, based on even looking back, I mean, that's very, like I said, extremely similar to Lewis lips. That would be within 50 yards of what lips had that would, it would be less receptions, but that's just the way it, it worked back then. And it would, and, and lips actually had more touchdowns in his second season. He had 12 receiving touchdowns, which was crazy. So, it's not unattainable to say Chase Claypool could even hit the 1100 yard mark next year. If 
somehow the Steelers find a way to keep Juju Smith-Schuster and they're still trying to spread the ball around, I could see that number decrease. If the NFL plays 17 games, this is a lot more more possible because he would have an extra game to do it. But we'll see. So with that, we're going to go ahead and take a break. We're going to come back. I'm going to address just a few random things before we call it a show, one of which was an answer that I said I would do from last week where I didn't actually have um, – I had an estimated ranking, but I wanted to go back and verify it. So we'll do that. I will give you the answer to that right after this commercial break. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we are back, Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Rolling along with Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain co-editor Dave Schofield. Last week... I brought up something. I was answering a question, and it was about the number of three-and-out drives that the Steelers had during the season. And I gave a number, but I didn't say where it fell in the NFL. I said what I thought it might have been, but I said, you know what? I'm going to look that up for you all for this week. When I did that, I realized something that I did and of why it messed me up with where the rank would be in the NFL. And that was because I wanted to know how many the Steelers had overall. So I included the playoffs. And I told you that the number was they had 50 drives that were three plays and a punt. And the defense had had their opponent have 55 drives that were three plays and a punt. Didn't include turnovers, didn't include things like that that were less than three plays. It The only criteria was play, 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 punt. That's what it had to fall under. So when I did that with the playoffs, it kind of brought the number up a little bit. But if I'm going to compare it to the rest of the NFL, you need to look at the regular season because, first of all, the Steelers, they played in the playoffs. Other teams didn't. Steelers only had one playoff game when other teams had several. So if you go and look at just the regular season, the Steelers' offense had 48 drives during the regular season because they had two in the postseason um, where they went three and out. That ranked worst in the NFL. They had more than anybody else. That was one more than the Miami Dolphins two more than the New York Jets and Washington football team and Cincinnati Bengals. So if you're looking, it's it's all the way down until you get down to 39 of those drives by the Los Angeles Rams when you even look at the next closest playoff team. So the Steelers offense, too many three and outs. That's for sure. But part of the reason you don't notice that as much is the defense they forced the most three and outs on the season. They forced 52 during the regular season because they had three in the postseason. And the Los Angeles Rams forced 51. They those That was two of them that were close. The next closest was the Eagles with 42. So there's a big drop. So from first to third, it dropped 10. 
it dropped from 52 to 42. So bad for the offense, good for the defense, but that's putting it in perspective with the whole league. So I just wanted to do that. So that's one thing I wanted to tackle um, here. There, another thing I wanted to tackle was something that I read. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a comment um, on a post at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. If you don't listen or don't follow BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, trust me, you need to. You need to check it out. There was a really good article on there today. I now remember where this comment came from, um, where um, Kevin Smith, also known as Chisap, also known as KT Smith, also known as the author formerly known as Cliff Harris is still a punk. All of those names. You've probably heard him on some of our audio podcasts. Um, he's been on Tales from 2 a.m. a couple of times with Brian. He would do the pre-game podcast with Brian during the week, or sorry, during the season. Um, so you've probably heard him at one point or another. He did an article where he's doing various things where he's showing where one play shows so much stuff with the Steelers. He did one that showed a lot of the Steelers' offensive problems all in one play. That was last week. This week, he did one play that showed how there's hope for Mason Rudolph and that he showed remarkable improvement from 2019 to 2020. That's on the website. Make sure you go check that out if you haven't already. But somebody made a comment about, of course, they were really, they were down on Rudolph and I'm not going to get into that, but they made a comment of if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't return, the Steelers have the worst quarterback in the AFC North and that is not acceptable. Okay. So you're saying if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't return, the Steelers have the worst quarterback in the AFC North. My answer to that is, duh, of course they do. I mean, think about it. Two of the four, two, two of the four starting quarterbacks were first overall draft picks. The other one, former league MVP, was a first round pick. Granted, it was pick 32 but he was still a first-round draft pick. Ben Roethlisberger was a first-round draft pick. If you have someone who has to be a stopgap for the Steelers like a Mason Rudolph, we don't know what's going on with the Ben Roethlisberger situation. Um, Maybe we'll know more by the time you're listening to this podcast because they're trying to work some things out. I have a feeling Ben Roethlisberger will be back for this season. He'll be back under a slightly lower salary cap hit, and they'll work with it from there. That's just my estimation. But if it's not Ben Roethlisberger, of course. I mean, even if you're like, well, they have Haskins. Yeah, then you could throw in another first-round quarterback. But first, you'd have to have to beat out Mason Rudolph, who was a third-round quarterback. It's just how it's going to go. And not only that, the Steelers aren't picking in a play. I mean, when did you want the Steelers to use a first-round draft pick on a quarterback to have them sitting and waiting for Ben Roethlisberger? You couldn't do it last year because they didn't have a first-round draft pick. Did you really want to do it the year before when they traded up for Devin Bush? That wasn't what the Steelers needed. They didn't need to use their first-round draft pick on on who was going to play after Ben. You didn't know how much longer. That was pre-elbow injury. Well, it's probably during elbow injury, but pre-lost-for-the-season elbow injury. When else was the Steelers supposed to invest the kind of draft capital it takes to have that kind of starting quarterback, because here's what I'm going to throw out to you. Here it is. Last season, there were obviously 
32 NFL teams. If you look at the, the player that started the majority of the games for each of these teams, do you know how many of them were drafted in the first round? You are looking at 23 out of the 32 teams had their quarterback who started the most games for them last season drafted in the first round. Now I'm going to throw a disclaimer that it's really tough with the Washington football team. They were the only NFL team that did not have a quarterback make at least eight starts. They had a tie. They had six from Haskins, six from Alex Smith, and then four from uh, Kyle Allen. But if you even look at it, whether you went with Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins, it doesn't matter because they're both they were both first round draft picks. So you could just count Washington as one of those teams. So here's what's what's very interesting. Now you know two of these teams, their starting quarterback was the last pick in the first round. That was the Ravens, and that was the the Carolina Panthers. Although they didn't draft them, it was Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. So you so you look at all these quarterbacks. So twenty three of the thirty two teams, their starting quarterback was a first round draft pick. So when you have your first round draft pick retire or move on, what do you expect to happen right then? I mean, granted, Green Bay seems to have chosen to trade up and have their guy in waiting, but you also have to kind of wonder, did they miss an opportunity in 2020 by coming up a little bit short by not using that pick to make their 2020 team the best it could be? That's a good question. Let's real quick run over these quarterbacks, not run over these quarterbacks, go through these quarterbacks that weren't first-round draft picks uh, that started the majority of games for their team. Here's one that's interesting. Pick 32. Second-round draft pick, Drew Brees. What? Wait a second. How's he pick 32 whenever you had Bridgewater? That's because Drew Brees is so old. How old? How old is he? Drew Brees is so old that when he was drafted, there was only 31 NFL teams. And that's exactly it. In the 2001 draft, there were only 31 teams. So pick 32 was the first pick of the second round. Um, so that that's Drew Brees. So technically, he's a second round pick, although he was picked in the same spot as Lamar Jackson and Teddy Bridgewater. Then you have Andy Dalton, who made the majority of the starts in Dallas. Now, it wouldn't have been him. It would have been Dak Prescott, but that was a fourth-round pick. So, so there you go. Uh, Derek Carr was a second-round pick for the Raiders. Drew Locke was a second-round pick um, that started in Denver. Russell Wilson was a third-round pick in Seattle. Kirk Cousins with a fourth-round pick playing in Minnesota, but remember, he was drafted by Washington the same year as RG3. And then you have Gardner Minshew, sixth-round draft pick. Tom Brady, we all know, six-round draft pick. And there was an undrafted player who started the majority of their games this season, and that was eight games started by Nick Mullins for the San Francisco 49ers because of their injury situations they had going on there. So it just kind of goes to show that you're if you really want to find your good quality starting quarterback – you're going to have to invest a, a high draft pick. And even if you do, there's no guarantee that it's going to work out. Because if you if you go back and look at the last 10 NFL drafts, 10 NFL drafts, 32 quarterbacks have been taken in the first round total of the last 10 NFL drafts. Now, some of those quarterbacks are not in the league anymore, like Andrew Luck. 
Okay. Um, but a bunch, I mean, there's several teams in here because the Steelers don't have a first round pick on a quarterback in the last 10 years. There's a bunch of teams that have two of them, you know, and a lot of those players that they, that they draft, like Cleveland has three, two of those three aren't in the league anymore. Brandon Wheaton and Johnny Manziel. The only one left is Baker Mayfield. So that's just kind of how it works that if you're going to have that next guy quarterback, you're probably going to have to get him in the first round. And there's no guarantee that he's even going to be the guy. So for someone saying, oh, it's not acceptable for the Steelers to, to have the worst quarterback in the AFC North. You know what? You can still win with the worst quarterback if you have a, a, the best team and even particularly the best defense. Now, the Steelers are struggling with their running game. That doesn't make it easy. That's why I think, it, you know, if Ben Roethlisberger is back, investing in that running game, particularly the offensive line, is the way to go moving forward. So there's that one. There was one other thing I wanted to talk about before I call it a show. So we talked about the Chase Claypool for 2021. We talked about where the Steelers ranked amongst the NFL when it came to three and outs, both offensively and defensively last year. I brought up the notion of first-round quarterbacks um, and, and what it takes to truly invest in having a good quarterback, and you still don't even hit it every time. But the last thing I wanted to talk about because – I know people were wondering because of statistics was the defensive player of the year award that was awarded to Aaron Donald on Saturday night. Now people have much differing opinions on this. I know Jeffrey Benedict thinks that Donald was the right choice. Um, a lot of Steelers nation thinks that that TJ Watt was the right, right choice. A lot of people think that TJ Watt was robbed. Now you're probably saying, well, here's the stats guy. So we know which way he's going. You're going to be surprised. My answer, and you're like, oh, that's a typical Dave answer. I thought it was a coin flip between the two players. I really did. And you're probably saying, but the stats, the TJ, everything that he led in the league, I understand. But at the same time, they don't play the same position. That's kind of like comparing a tight end stats to a wide receiver stats. Any tight end that puts any kind of stats close to what a wide receiver puts up is an absolutely elite tight end, like a Travis Kelsey. That's just how it works because of where they play. And they're like, and then people want to say, well, Aaron Donald had got double teamed a lot more. You know what? Across the league, interior defensive linemen get double teamed more than edge rushers. It's how it works. So to, for that, that's not a good argument either. Yes, TJ had the stats where he led the league in so many things. And Aaron Donald also had where he with where he led in. I know he was let in amount of double team and uh, forced fumbles. I knew it was going to be a coin flip. Uh, my guess was that the Donald was probably going to get it. Not because I would have voted for Watt personally, not even just as a Steelers fans. As, as a stat guy, I would have voted for Watt. And I thought that that was the wise decision. I, But I'm not going to say TJ Watt was robbed because if TJ Watt would have won the award, then you could have just as easily say Aaron Donald was robbed. That's how close they were. I feel it was neck and neck. Um, and honestly, hopefully this just motivates TJ Watt even more. Um, 
just just to say what it is. And it's funny because people are like, well, they have to game plan so much around Aaron Donald. Well, you also have to game plan so much around TJ Watt. A lot of these arguments could be made for both players. They really could. And that's why I thought, even though if you broke down the statistics of the sacks, of the passes defense, you know, the interceptions, the the, the quarterback hits and pressures and all those different things that TJ Watt had the massive advantage over. I still see how, because Donald plays a different position, that you could also consider him as well. I thought it was really close. The voting was pretty close. I think it was 27 to 20 with three votes then going to um, the cornerback from Miami. That's Xavier, Xavier Rhodes. I can't remember. Or Xavier. It started with an X. I know that. Um, that. That was how that broke down. So... Um, I felt that last year I was more frustrated last year because TJ Watt definitely had the stats and everything else, but everyone was so convinced about Stefan Gilmore when I saw him absolutely disappear and I saw him, um, get absolutely eaten up in a game, which cost the Patriots, uh, a, a buy in the playoffs and ultimately their early exit because of how poorly he played. I will say this, that Although the postseason should not count for these awards, sometimes it sticks out in your mind. But what sticks out in most voters and everyone else's mind was, what have you done for me lately? And TJ Watts, the the majority of his best stats were earlier on in the season. And when the Steelers you know, fell off the face of the map at the end of the at the end of the season, that did not do him any favors. Um, Bud Dupree's injury, which kind of le- allowed teams to focus on TJ even more, that didn't do him any favors. And that's probably what went into a lot of these things because you're talking about voters. If it was strictly the stats, that's why TJ Watt won the award that he did, which is for leading the NFL in sacks. There's no voting about it. But when you're talking about voters, you know, just like the Heisman in college and stuff like that, they're going to be awed by certain things that they, sh- that they shouldn't be awed by. But in this case, I could I could not argue with anyone who voted one way or the other with those two based um, on the seasons that they had. So that's that's the stat breakdown there. So with that, make sure you are tuning in to Behind the Steel Curtain for all of your podcasts or both our audio only, both our ones that are live on YouTube and Facebook. If you haven't ever caught caught a live show. Try to do that sometime this offseason. It's a lot of fun, um, especially make sure you're signed into YouTube or something like that so you can comment in the live chat because it it, it does get to be a lot of fun there. Um, and make sure you check it out behind the steel curtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm still looking for questions to continue on with, with throwing stats out there. I hope you enjoyed the stats this week. And as always, thanks for geeking out with me. See you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.